Apple iOS 14 comes with its most notable feature changes in many years, and with the tech giant touting its focus on security, there's some pretty cool features aimed to give you more control over your data and your device. We'll discuss next on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. All right, welcome in to another episode of the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. I'm your host, Marty Carpenter, joined today by Dan Schuyler of Valcom. And, you know, Apple recently held its annual Worldwide Developers Conference this year with no in-person attendance because of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. That's the conference every year where Apple rolls out updates to its software, saving the new iPhone and the hardware announcements for later in the year. But this is where some of the kind of the cool software and operating system updates come. And this year, a big revamp of iOS 14, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I, I think it's probably the most uh, visual change, most notable change that we've seen in the last couple of years. And Dan, first of all, welcome to the show. Marty, thank you. It's great to be back. And secondly, we're so glad to have you here because you have been beta testing iOS 14 uh, for several days now. And uh, so we'll get your insights on that. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, under, to, to getting it myself. I'm glad that someone else is going through all of the bugs. So I, when I get it, it's, it's better off. But just sort of generally speaking, uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts so far on, on what you've seen? You know, thumbs up, thumbs down, or some things to work out? Um, mostly thumbs up. Um, some of the new security features, for example, letting you know when the speaker is on and when the camera is on. There's two little LED lights that are next to the um, battery indicator. Um, so now you actually know when the speaker is recording you or the camera is on. Um, so that's one little nice feature. Um, there are also some great visual uh, features now. Uh, they've made some uh, really good improvements to Siri. Uh, but these improvements can also be a little bit intrusive too, at least for the, for the first part. For example, all of the applications that you access now that need access to your network are now going to prompt you. Will you do you want to give this application access to your network? And you have to say yes. And so if you have a lot of applications that have network access, which probably are most of them, you're going to have to go through that process of, of saying yes to all of those applications. Um, so that can be a little bit intrusive at first, uh, but clearly it's another added layer of security that Apple has built into iOS 14. Yeah. One of the things I've, I understand is included in this that uh, would be interesting to get your thoughts on this approximate location sharing. So as I understand it, you know, it asks for your permission to read your location and anyone who's used like the find my friends or now it's, I think find my whatever it could be devices or friends, you know, there's sort of a general approximation of where they are, but it can sometimes get pretty specific. And I've seen sometimes when looking just at my own family members, I can say, Oh, it's somehow indicating that my daughter's in her room because it's on this side of the house versus that side of the house. And, but you know, sometimes it also shows that, Hey, my kids who are downstairs in the basement actually are, are out, you know, at the neighbor's house. They're really not. And so there's an approximation to that. But um, the ability, I guess, to sort of not give your specific location, but to sort of give an approximate location so that people know, hey, I'm in, I, I'm in my neighborhood, but you don't know where I am in house. I, I think that I kind of like the idea of that one. Have you had some thoughts on that or experience with that one at this point? Um, I haven't used it a lot, but again, I, I think it's it it increases your privacy by um, approximating approximating your location and not giving a precise location. A lot of people 
were going for runs and recording those runs and sharing them and and you know you you can see where you live and where you yeah. ran to and and your house and you're sharing that information uh, a lot of that's metadata but clearly if you're sharing the actual run people can see where you live and now with this approximate location sharing you can sort of restrict that if you will um, and you can also do that uh, you can also set those parameters per application that wants access to your location so um, it gives you that added level an added layer of, of privacy protection if you will yeah, one area where I think that is really uh helpful in one of the changes that they've got is this idea of selective photo sharing. So uh, I think all of us have had an experience where you've tried to go do something, whether it's on your your phone or your iPad or something, and it says, hey, Facebook wants access to your photos. You know, you want to post a photo. It's like, oh, I need access to your camera roll. That's that's fine. But, you, you know, up to this point, you've sort of been saying, yeah, you have access now, unlimited, unfettered, un <laughs> unmonitored access to all of my photos. And, you know, whether you have uh, incriminating photos of some kind or another on your phone or not, in wanting to go give a, an app uh, access to a photo or to some photos, you may not want to just give them lifetime access to all of your photos. So this idea that there's selective photo sharing, I think this is one that's actually going to be a big and popular improvement on the new platform. What do you think? Yeah, again, um, you're going to have to give permission to all the apps that previously had access to your photos to give them access to your photos. So you'll have to go through that process. Uh, but again, I think this is another great privacy improvement. And a lot of your listeners probably don't realize the rich metadata that's stored in um, your photos. And you can, you can change this um, in your privacy settings, but the location of that photo is in there. The, the type of, of um, uh, camera settings is in there. So if, if you're sharing all that metadata online, somebody can actually download that photo and see the location where it was taken precisely to, you know, to a longitude and latitude. Um, and you can, you can change that in um, iOS. But again, this is, this is another level of privacy protection that I think is really, is really well needed, especially for, um, this particular type of data, these photos, to your point, can be sensitive and there's a lot of data that's stored in those photos. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of uh, what happened in the privacy sector when the California regulations came into place and the European regulations came into place. And for the past, I don't know, six months or so, every time you go to a new website, you get the little heads up that, hey, we use cookies. And so you just end up accepting it. I wonder, I wonder a little bit about those, like, and how effective is that kind of policy change? Because every website you go to, you pretty much just say, yes, so I can get on to the business of why I got to that website in the first place. And so there's like this regulation of you have to accept or be told that they're collecting cookies, but really in order to do the thing that you wanted to do on the website, you had to say yes. So I'm wondering, like, that, that's just sort of like there's a policy in place, but ultimately it doesn't change behavior. So I wonder just even giving people the ability to say, yes, you can have access to my photos or to these photos or to this photo. Um, I hope it's done in a way where it, it, you don't just sort of by default, like, yeah, I, look, all I'm trying to do is post a picture on Instagram. And I get the warning that says, hey, you're giving me access to all your photos. Beware. Yeah, you still say yes. So you've kind of eliminated the purpose of the security measure 
just because your brain is kind of programmed to, this is the task I'm trying to accomplish. This is a hurdle. I get past it and I move on and don't think about it again. So do you have any insight on like how that photo sharing has done at this point? Or do you have the same concern that it might turn out to be like the cookies warning that we've just become accustomed to saying, yeah, click and move on? For somebody who um, shares a lot of information on Facebook or other social media, this, this is probably going to be something that they just – by force of habit, they just say yes, 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 yes. Yeah. For other users who are not as in tune or aware of what data has been shared in the past, I think this will be a great um, added benefit of security that they can then enable, um, again, per application. Um, so it, to some people, it's not going to be, to your point, it's going to be just like, sharing cookies, just share, 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 share. To other people, I think it'll be um, an added level of information and privacy that they'll find beneficial. But clearly, you'll, you'll have to go through that process for every application um, the first time you open it in iOS 14. So I think it, it'll go both ways. We'll take a quick break and come back with more on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom right after this. Aren't you glad there isn't training for the fish to teach them how to avoid your hook and bait? Informational phishing is big business for hackers, and they love that your end users don't know how to identify it. Attacks have shown record growth in recent years, and a solid security awareness program is an integral part of any defense in-depth strategy. Lucky for you, Sophos has created a phishing attack simulation and training for your end users. Sophos Fish Threat educates and tests your end users through automated attack simulations, quality security awareness training, and actionable reporting metrics. So train your users how to avoid a hacker's hook and bait. Go to vlcmtech.com slash fish. That's vlcmtech.com slash p-h-i-s-h. At Valcom, they know IT departments are overwhelmed with too many technologies to manage, too many alerts to weed through, and have too little staff to do it all. To help lighten the load while eliminating blind spots, Valcom highly recommends adopting Aruba ClearPass into your environment. From IoT to an always-on mobile workforce, especially now, organizations are more exposed to attacks than ever before. With Aruba ClearPass, you can get agentless visibility and dynamic role-based control for seamless security enforcement and response across your wired and wireless networks. How's that for making things easier? As a Platinum Aruba partner holding the Aruba ClearPass specialization, Valcom has the highest certified engineers to design, implement, and test your ClearPass environment. Learn more or request a free consultation by visiting vlcm.com slash clearpass. That's vlcm.com slash clearpass. This season of Cyber24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and service provider with the drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35 plus years means they have experience and expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. At Valcom, you get much more than just a dedicated IT retailer. They actually become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and productive. Check them out vlcmtech.com to learn more about Valcom's end-to-end solutions 
the technology vendors they partner with, and so much more. That's VLCMTech.com. Welcome back to the Cyber24 Podcast presented by Valcom, Marty Carpenter and Dan Schuyler from Valcom, uh, talking about iOS 14 and some of the cool new features that have a security slant to them. Uh, this is an interesting one, Dan, uh, that, that uh, has kind of grabbed some attention, and that's limited ad tracking. I think we've all sort of become accustomed to the fact that uh, if I go and Google a new pair of wingtips, I am going to be haunted by ads for wingtips forever. Personally, I've always said, I don't mind ads tracking me to try to sell me something. I just wish they could do a better job of realizing when I purchased it so that they could stop bugging me about it once I've already already bought it. But Apple's been been sort of uh, trying to fight back against the way we get tracked across the internet uh, anyway. Um, what are the changes? Help, help me understand what these changes are to how they're going to limit the ad tracking based on these changes to iOS 14. Yeah, so depending on the website and apps you use, uh, there are shopping apps, and then there are websites, of course. There's the Amazon shopping app, and then there's the Amazon website. Um, So anytime that application um, is asking for permission to track you across apps and websites, you'll be notified. And you can either allow traffic, you can either allow that tracking or ask the application not to track you. So this is, this is another way to, to your point, reduce those annoying ads that pop up when you are in a specific app or a specific website, um, especially like you said, when you've already purchased the product or you just, you know, you were browsing a product, you didn't, you weren't interested in purchasing it, but now you're seeing it everywhere and so this will help to reduce that annoyance if you will and you can you know you can block those you can block that ability to track you yeah passwords have also uh been a focus for apple in this particular update uh one in particular with compromised password alerts now i'm a convert to the password manager because I've been on this podcast and I've been talking to smart guys like you and Matt Sorensen and, and Anthony Boise and all the all of our regulars, all the friends of the pod who say, go get a password manager. And so there are a lot of those available and uh, I've actually found it to be really useful, uh, but Apple's going to beef up some of the security in iOS 14's keychain, the password manager that's kind of built into to those systems already. Um, so you can still ch- store your passwords in, in keychain but they're also going to give you some idea of when you have uh, an easily guessed password or uh, you know, when that password may have been compromised because it's a password used on a site that's had a problem. What do you make of Apple's efforts here when it comes to giving people uh, prods to do better with their password management? Yeah, so like myself, I use a password manager that I'm, I'm very happy with, and it provides me with all of the features that Keychain provides and all the additional features that are built into iOS 14. So for example, if a website got compromised or if you have a weak password, it'll, it'll notify you about that. Um, so f- for people who are using uh, iOS Keychain to manage their passwords, this will be a great improvement. But for uh, folks like myself who are using a third-party application, um, this isn't probably going to be a, a game changer for me because I'm already used to using a third-party password manager that already does a lot of this. 
and I'll, I'll, I'll continue to do that. I'm not going to move from that third-party app to yeah. Apple's Keychain. But again, for those who are using Keychain primarily for that, these will be really great benefits to have. You'll know if your passwords are strong enough. You'll know if, if specific um, accounts that you're using have been hacked. So these are features that um, Apple has added that other password managers already had. Yeah. Well, another thing that Apple's tried to take a shot at here is the just ending passwords altogether because using things like, uh, uh, you know, face, face recognition and other things along those lines, uh, that's become more problematic as everyone or most people have masks that go up uh, above their nose at this point. I know that's one thing on the, the face ID that's been problematic is you're out in public and I find myself either typing in my six-digit code more frequently or having to just quickly pull down the mask to get access to my phone. Um, so I, I don't know if they'll make more accommodations uh, based on that, but they've at least taken some steps to try to uh, get rid of passwords altogether. So there's you know support for physical security keys like like the uh, the facial recognition. Do we ever get to a point where just every you can set everything? It seems like there I've got some apps where I can say yes, use my face ID, and some that still don't allow me to do it. Are we ever going to get to a point where on these devices? Yeah, your face is the ID and it works across the board. And will that effectively end passwords on that particular device? Well, clearly passwords are antiquated and thus, you know, two-factor authentication is a great way to uh, increase the security of your accounts. Um, and the applications that are using face ID, those are applications that are accessing the face ID API to allow you to log into that application. So if an application isn't using Face ID, it's just because they haven't built in um, that code into that application yet. Um, but clearly, I, I continue to see that being added. I, in fact, two weeks ago, an application that I was using um, prior to uh, the Face ID being enabled, um, now has Face ID that you can use to log into that application, and we'll continue to see other applications adopt that as well. Um, it'll be interesting. I know Apple's mentioned trying to find some way to do Face ID with a mask yeah. uh, because of of, the, of COVID and that everybody's wearing a mask. It'll be interesting to see what Apple comes up with, but I think Face ID is here to stay just because it's so simple. It is very secure. Um, and they're making improvements to it all the time. And again, application developers have access to that API so they can build it into their application for authentication. It's one of those, in my mind, it's one of those things where Steve Jobs used to say, like, the, you'll tell the consumer what it is they want. <laughs> because when that first came out, I, I think it was the iPhone 10 or the X, whatever they wanted to call it, the iPhone 10. And uh, you'd look at it, and or, you know, when, when Face ID was the thing. And I, I remember the first two or three people who got one of those phones, I thought, that is cool, but is it really that tough for me to put my thumb on the button? Uh, and then I just went ahead and got one, and now it's like, boy, I can't imagine. It's such a pain to have to type in your six-digit code. I mean, there's no thumb reader at this point, but I, the Face ID, I'm totally totally sold on it and a big fan. So I, iOS 14, you're a beta tester. I'm a Mac uh, devotee, but not a beta tester. Uh, from what you've seen so far, when it finally does roll out uh, with some of these fixes in place, presumably, uh, I'm going to like it or I'm not going to like it. Oh, I think you'll like it. I think everybody will like it. I, um, I can't think of a feature yet that I've, I've not been happy with. 
so it's definitely a great improvement, not only from a security perspective, but from a user interface perspective. There's a lot of great features built in, and we could we could spend an entire podcast just trying to cover half of those. So thumbs up. Well, I look forward to getting a look at it. Thanks for giving us some insight and for doing the dirty work of being the beta tester. You bet. Thanks, Randy. Dan Schuyler from Valcom has been our guest talking iOS 14 security improvements. That'll wrap it up for this edition of the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. Cyber 24 is supported by the Utah Department of Public Safety, as well as the Utah Department of Technology Services and the Utah Attorney General's Office. In addition, the University of Utah's Chem C. Gardner Policy Institute is where we record this podcast each week. At the Chem C. Gardner Policy Institute, they're dedicated to helping Utah make informed decisions. We're also proud to have the support of Secuvant, a Utah-based company providing business-enabled cyber risk and management. Every week on this program, these great partners will provide expertise and insight to help business and civic leaders better understand the challenge of cybersecurity and how to keep your organization safe. We appreciate your support.